Hello there, and welcome back to our Breaking Bad podcast with your two hosts. One man who's never bought a gun at a hot dog joint is my good friend, Red Roll. So that leaves me, a man who definitely doesn't need a second hole in his ass, it's JT. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that one. So hello, everyone, and welcome back. Yeah, so it's been a little break with Christmas and bits and pieces going on. But yeah, well, here we are once again, back with our Breaking Bad uh, episode one of series two, season two Indeed. of American. <laughs> yeah apologies for the break you might be able to hear in my voice um i've been a bit rough the last week or so um we did plan to have a week off not three weeks um but here we are as bread roll said this is uh season two episode one it's called 737 i'll let um, me explain a bit more about the title in a second um it aired on the 8th of march 2009 a day after my birthday directed by brian cranston this one bread roll written by jay roberts it's the only season premiere not written by vince gilligan himself it's a 47-minute episode, and it had 1.66 million viewers in the US, which I think is probably the most we've had so far. Interesting, isn't it? Um, I didn't realise it was uh, directed by Cranston himself, and it probably did pop up, and I just wasn't reading the screen that much. I don't tend to read all those bits as they come up. But, um, yeah, that's good. It's good to see that it's um, got a bit of an increase. I wonder if it's a bit of a word-in-mouth thing, or maybe people went back and revisited it. I know streaming wasn't a thing, but maybe it had some reruns, or because people were talking about it, People decided, oh, you know, I will check out um, Series 2 of it, or Season 2, as I said earlier, if you're American. Um, so, yeah, good to see that the viewership's going up. And I imagine it's only going to keep going up, because obviously from here is where things obviously start to kind of pick up for the show in terms of pace. I know we said before we like the sort of slow burn of Series 1, but it obviously does pick up pace a bit more now. And then going into like Seasons 3 and 4, that's where it really kind of like the crux of the show takes place. Yeah, as we said in the pre-cook, I think seasons three and four rate 10 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes or one of those Metacritic sites. Um, that is definitely where it ramped up, but it certainly does pick up the pace in this one. Um, the title there I said at the start, um, I would never have picked up on this. Even watching the episode today, I, I had this in front of me. It's, there's two references. It's the money that Walt needs to um, to basically break even and pay off you know his debts, his family, and get them all sorted, $737,000. It's also obviously foreshadowing something which is going to happen towards the end of this season, um, which we won't talk about. I'm sure everyone knows. But again, I, and I was thinking as I watched this this morning and I, I'm sort of reading this ahead, thinking obviously social media wasn't such a big thing back then. Now you can't fart about everyone knowing about it. But back then it wasn't such a big thing. I wonder if anyone sort of knew what was going to happen towards the end of the season and put two and two together with that title. Probably not, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit strange. I suppose people were just kind of like going along kind of, I don't know, in the moment, episode by episode. As we said, you know, the show didn't have a massive following, all things considered. Um, so I'm not sure how much people kind of looked into it. But you're right, with uh, social media and stuff now, everyone would be like fucking, you know, it's like anything comes out these days, especially obviously a bit more high profile, anything like Star Wars or whatever comes out, it's being fucking analysed up the ass, isn't it, by all the sort of fans and non-fans and critics on all the experts, quote unquote, on social media, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't you don't know who to believe either. I mean, people. It's been done with shows before, isn't it? Where they purposely film two or three different endings to sort of keep people off the plot, and yeah. they even put spin doctors in, don't they, to sort of give false endings away on social media and stuff, which are completely untrue. So, I don't think it was such a big thing back then, though. No, probably not. But you know, it's like like you just said there. Like sometimes actually even leak fake scripts don't they just to try and get people obviously off the uh the spin and it's strange how this one um opens we obviously discussed series one he said it had a bit of a kind of flat end and we know the reason why 
But this one opened. I don't know if on the live TV it was like, you know, like previously on Breaking Bad or anything like that. It didn't show that on Netflix that I noticed. But this episode actually starts with the actual closing scene of episode, uh, of the final episode of the previous um, series. So it kind of recaps it in that way. And I wonder if it did that just to try and make up for how kind of like flat the ending was. It's kind of like, let's just use that scene and then elaborate on it because obviously it does kind of, it goes off with a bang or a punch, doesn't it, pretty much? It does. Yeah, I thought that when I watched this earlier. I'd forgotten how it started. Um, we get the little clip. Obviously, we'll, we'll go into the say synopsis. We'll go into our little review and go through the episodes. But yeah, it does. The first sort of two two minutes of this episode are the random sort of prequel bit and then the end of season one. So there's about a good two or three minutes, which are not particularly anything to do with the, the forthcoming plot, really, if that makes sense. Obviously, it does lead straight on from Tuco losing his shit, but We've seen all that bit before. Yeah, we have. I suppose it's just maybe a reminder. And if you know, they're hoping if they drew in some new, um, uh, sort of new viewers, maybe kick things off. Almost like a re-pilot, almost. I know it's not a pilot episode, but maybe just trying to make sure that it hooks people in with something kind of in your face and violent, just to sort of draw people in straight away instead of going for that slow burn effect again. Because it works both ways, doesn't it? Sometimes, like we, when you're in. Even though we like slow burn stuff, like when you start a new show, sometimes you want something kind of punchy to happen, just to be like, "Oh, all right, that set the tone for what's going to happen." Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of bits of foreshadowing as well in this one, which I didn't notice. This is from the Breaking Bad wiki, so again, thanks to the guys who write that. Um, Ted Benneke apparently is shown in a photograph that Skyler's looking at. Obviously, he's going to make an appearance a bit later on. I'd forgotten about him actually. He's a bit of a twat, but we'll get into him when he gets sort of turns up. I never noticed that. Even with having this in front of me earlier, I still didn't notice it. And also, when Walt's flicking through the TV channels when he comes back after Tuco's lost his shit, um, a Better Call Saul advert is heard in the background. Again, I didn't pick up on this, but the Breaking Bad wiki guys did. Uh, I, I did spot Ted in the picture because I think Ted's a bell end, and obviously we'll get to him when we get to him. <laughs> but yeah, I did, I did spot him when Skylar was looking at the picture. It's towards the end of the episode that, that happens, but I, I didn't clock... Um, uh, better call Saul though. I know he starts like kind of appearing in the background and on billboards here and there, like sort of yeah. bit of world building before he actually arrives proper in the show. But no, I didn't um, notice him in the background at all on the episode. Although I did watch it a good couple of weeks ago, so my my one to one memory of it is a little bit hazy. I don't know if that's brief for things I don't watch a few weeks ago. I'm just relying on my notes right now. Yeah, we were planning on doing this a couple of weeks ago, obviously, and then illness and whatever took over. Um, so before I die here, Brad, Rob, should we have a quick look through this one? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see if you can make it. <laughs> okay, then. So as always, big shout out to Dan Parkinson for the opening theme tune to this one. He's doing loads of crazy shit. DanParkinsonMusic.com is his website. Check out his Instagram, his cover of Prince Kiss, all that kind of stuff. He's got some good stuff going on at the moment. So the one-line synopsis from the Breaking Bad wiki... Walt and Jesse are reminded of Tuco's volatile nature and try to figure out a way out of their partnership. So that kind of does sum up the episode in one line. But it, it does open with the teddy bear, which we, we're going to see frequently throughout the opening scenes of, of this season. And we don't really know what it is at the moment. And I remember when I first watched this, I was like, what the fuck is that? You see that eyeball floating in Walt's swimming pool. You hear the sirens. It's all in black and white. And then that pink bear just floats past and it's kind of all burnt and mashed up and you're like what the hell because then it just cuts to the end scene of season one yeah this is um one of the first things i remember like because i mentioned in our pre-cook like how i got into this show like rach was watching it and i just caught bits of it and it was enough to kind of interest me so i went back and finally watched it myself because we were both late to the show with this one 
And this is one of the scenes, one of the first things I remember watching and thinking, I just really like how that shot, like just that scene of the swimming pool and then I like see the eyeball, then that bear that's obviously, everything's black and white apart from the bear. I just thought that's just such a stylish shot. I remember walking into the room and that was going on and I was just watching it thinking, what's actually happening here? I don't know what's going on, but I quite like the look of it. Um, and it's just a really cool shot. And there's loads of episodes that open with these weird, weird kind of like, I don't know, just almost ambient shots, if that's even makes sense. But they're really good. Yeah, I mean, that bear is kind of legendary, isn't it? It's actually quite sick when you think where it comes from. Um, obviously, we don't know at this point, but... I mean, I think you can actually buy them, and it's quite a cool bear. Um, maybe I'll track one down one day. Um, but yeah, it, it does rear its head pretty much at the start of every episode, I think. We'll obviously go through them as we go through the whole season. But after we've sort of had our little two-minute rerun of the end of season one, Walt and Jesse are in the car, and Walt's doing the math. Math, I'm American, you see. Um, about <laughs> the money he's going to earn, hence the title 737 or 737. And I'm thinking he, he's doing all his maths and stuff, and he says 45 grand a year for his kids to go through college each. I mean, that's another thing. We, we say about the American health system, or lack of, 45 fucking K to put your kids through college. Jesus, how do you actually live in America? It's insane, isn't it? I've always thought that. Although I do also think that American education, at least when you see it in the movies, like their colleges are fucking superb, and there's literally... You can get a degree in everything, pretty much, whereas mm-hmm. our colleges are fucking rubbish. And I lasted <laughs> about two weeks of my sort of like so I, mean, I didn't like education anyway, but even our universities and stuff, you know, we got a couple of good ones to be fair, but for the most part, people just go there for a couple of years so they can don't have to get a job and they can get fucking drunk for like pennies. That's the main appeal for going to university in the UK. But some of their colleges and stuff in America, like they're really fucking badass. But I do like the way when they get in the car, like they say, walks just straight away down to business, counting the numbers, and Jesse just pulls out kind of like perplexed face that he spends most of the whole show <laughs> doing. Like he just wiped his ass and the toilet paper split mid-wipe. Um, he's sort of <laughs> like, oh, what's going on? He's just seen someone near enough beaten to death. And I thought maybe well, he was beaten to death, but he isn't, is he? He turns up in a minute and he's no. still alive. But I thought he was actually killed outright. Yeah, I did as well, and I'd forgotten about this whole bit here. I remember, but then I was thinking he gets buried under a car, which he does in a second. We'll get to that. Um, just before we do, Walt's saying they're making 70 grand a week each at the moment, so they need 11 more weeks to make his 700 grand he needs. Um, so 70k a week, I mean, not a bad little wage there. Obviously, what they're doing is a bit dodge. Um, and then, as you say there, we, we think, we don't know his name. The, the big guy's called Gonzo. Obviously, we've got Tuco. I'm not sure the, the guy who gets beaten up. I'm not sure of his name. But Walt and Jesse obviously think they're, they're they've done the deal's done. They start to drive off, and then Tuco comes fucking hammering bound around the corner in his Escalade, whatever it's called. Drags fucking matey boy out who's having a fit, and he's like, he's fucking dying, and asks Walt to save his life. And Walt's like, I can't fucking do that. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, he might be a good chemist, but he's not a fucking doctor. That's a bit of a stretch, you know. I mean, I know Tuco's not exactly a fucking, you know, he's not the full ten bob, is he? Um, but he comes fucking along and he like drags out and goes, What's wrong with him? And it's like, Well, you just beat the fucking shit out of him the start of him. <laughs> he's not only really dead. And just assuming Walt would know how to fucking he's like, Yeah, do some CPR or something. And Walt's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, just assume because he's fucking bold and he's a chemist, he can do CPR. It's a bit of a stretch. I know. And then he asked Jack Jesse to give him mouth to mouth, and Walt's like, That doesn't work. And Jesse obviously really doesn't want to do it. She fucking wouldn't. And like, but then he looks at Tuco, and Tuco's giving him that fucking psycho look. And then, luckily for Jesse, poor, poor for the guy, he croaks it there and then, doesn't he? He sort of just dribbles some fucking spit out, and he's he's dead. And then fucking Tuco starts having a go, and you fucking pussy, you can't take a beat, and starts kicking his dead body. 
was like, for God's sake, mate, you've just killed this guy and you're still having a go at him. Yeah. It's interesting about that whole, like, oh, mouth to mouth doesn't work and that. Because um, I've, I've done like a trained first aider and stuff. And they do, they tell you the reason not to do it is because of obviously nowadays and stuff and being a bit more savvy. It's obviously cross contamination. You don't know if that person's got any diseases or whatever they've been taking. If they're unconscious, so you shouldn't put your mouth to them. Um, I think that's more the reason you're not supposed to do it. There is obviously safety apparatus you can get instead, but um, you don't always have that to hand in an emergency. But I do think the actual blowing in and obviously inflating the lungs, that is still a viable way of obviously resuscitating someone. Yeah, I mean, I was a qualified first aider years and years ago at a previous job, and I did a couple of courses. Um, I can't remember if they told us about mouth-to-mouth. Not. Obviously, they did the whole CPR and the chest pumping and all that. But, yeah, I mean, this is going back a few years now. Um but yeah, poor poor guy obviously croaks it. Tuco's not too happy about this. And then old Gonzo just rolls him under that car, doesn't he? Which um comes back to bite him on the arse a little bit later on. It does, and just uh, not trumping about too much. We see Hank being professional as always when that gets discovered, <laughs> don't we? Fucking <coughs> everything. He's oh. always fucking I'm surprised he actually has a job with the fucking stuff he fucks around with. I know, stop making me laugh, bread Rob. But we we now get a cut to old uh, Skylar. The bump's looking quite big. She's um putting some cream on her bump and then she puts some fucking weird green shit on her face that makes her look like Kermit. And then Walt comes in and he's he's being weird again. Obviously he's just seen Tuco beat a guy to death, so he's he's probably not particularly happy with life, but he's being strange again around Skylar. One minute he's silent, and that's obviously when we hear the better call Saul advert when he's flicking through the TV, although I didn't hear it myself. Then Skylar sort of comes out and says, You're gonna fucking talk to me. He breaks down on her shoulder almost, starts crying. Then he tries to fuck her up against the kitchen wall. It's like, talk about different emotions. I know, he's crazy, isn't he? I mean, he must get turned on by Fungus the Bogeyman, because that's what she looks like, <laughs> that fucking crap. <laughs> like, he's, like, he's like fucking crying. He sees all that you know, fucking Shrek cosplay, starts getting turned on, then he nearly knocks her out on the fridge, doesn't he? He like, slams <laughs> her into it, and then he's just like this green goo on the door, which Walt White Jr. kind of looks at earlier, uh, later on and pulls a weird face. But, you know, she's just like, well, what the hell is wrong with you? But... Yeah, talk about a range of emotions to kick things off. Yeah, exactly. She also questions his hat, doesn't she? She's like, new hat? He's like, mm, yeah, and just takes it off and puts it on the side. Obviously, the Heisenberg has been born now, as we said, at the end of season one. And then it does cut to old Jesse. He's sat there at a the hot dog joint. He's um, chilling out with his nachos. Got some money, on, money under a train. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And he sort of slides it. The, the guy, right, he walks past really sneakily and takes it. I thought, yeah, that's all right. That's quite inconspicuous. Then he just wanders up to him and dumps a bag on the table with a fucking gun in it. I was like, well, that's pretty obvious. The first part's fairly undercover. And then the second part, when you put the gun down, it's pretty fucking obvious what's going on. There's obviously something dodgy in that bag. I was thinking, it's like the world's shittest drop going. Like you say, like, it starts <laughs> off right, smoothly taking the money out now. But if there's anyone kind of like watching or anything, <laughs> fucking a genius to figure out what's going on, whatever. But I suppose it is what it is. And then obviously it's Jesse firing a gun. He's starting to crack and not for the first time. He's... He's pretty much from this point onwards a nervous wreck, isn't he, Jesse? I mean, he gets a little bit of confidence here and there, but from this point onwards, he's pretty much just like a fucking shambles and obviously soon turns out to be a liability for Walt. Yeah, I mean, we did see him in that whole paranoid episode in season one where he ends up at his parents, but he'd been hitting the meth pretty hard at that point. I don't know if he's still on it. We don't really see him smoking it or anything, I don't think, for a while. I can't remember, to be honest, but we didn't see him smoking or anything in this episode. Whether he's still or not, I don't know. Um, but we get a good scene here between Walt and Jesse, don't we, where Jesse's basically saying, I've, I bought this fucking gun, Tuco's a loose cannon, we need to kill him and all this. Walt's trying to sort of be grounded and say, right, so 
how are you going to do it? How many bullets? What are you going to do and everything? And it's it's a good scene between the two of them, isn't it? I love this scene. This is probably my favourite scene in the whole episode, to be fair. Like, because Walt, he's kind of like really level-headed. And he's, this is like just, when the first time you watch it, you don't really kind of recognise it. But Walt is like already quite cold, isn't he? Like, he hasn't mm-hmm. really been phased by all the shit with Tuco and everything like that. Uh, whereas, obviously, it said Jesse's obviously shaking like a leaf. And Walt is like, no, no, tell me how you do it. Be specific. You know, walk me through it, you know we turn up you know there's there's two co he usually has two guys of him how many bullets have you got what if there's more people there and jesse you can see him like the plan unraveling and falling apart and before his eyes and he's like how many bullets have you got and jesse's like well i don't know and he can't even open the gun and, and walsh just like points it out quite clearly it's like you're going to shoot all these people with a gun you don't even know how to use and stuff and then jesse obviously just kind of like collapses done he's like well i don't know i was just panicking man and all this sort of stuff yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? He's like, what are you going to do then? He's like, well, I'll just put the gun to his head. Pop, pop, pop. And he's like, what, three bullets? Well, I don't know, maybe two. He's like, two or three? How many fucking bullets? And then he's going to have Gonzo with him and some other guys. Yeah, it's just a great scene. And Walt's being methodical and he's, he's thought it out again, obviously, going back to him being a teacher and the whole chemistry and that. He's, he's very thoughtful about everything, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's really good. And he's, he's brilliant. He's one of those people, he's just, I love these types of characters a bit like matey boy um i didn't i never finished watching it. i know you love the show um but a dude in ozark isn't it like he seems mm. to be at his best when everything's going fucking tits up that's how he manages he's always like a trauma surgeon isn't he like the more chaos going on around him the more level and like channeled his kind of vision is um it's really cool to see those sort of characters absolutely and you need to finish ozark that's another story <laughs> Yeah, but we we get a cut now to Marie and Hank, first time we've seen them in, in this season. Um, and I was thinking, Marie's calling Skylar. She's ignoring her about the whole shoplifting thing. But she's calling her like on a voice call on her landline. That must have been fairly advanced back then, because obviously mobiles are still pretty shit, as we've seen with their little flip phones. So her landline is a fairly advanced phone, doesn't it? Because she just presses... No, in fact, she doesn't even press anything. I think she just says, call Skylar. She's flapping onto her while she's wandering around the kitchen, hands-free. And I thought, yeah, that must be a fairly a sort of cool phone for back then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like I say, like, nowadays, all that sort of stuff's the rage. But we're talking, like, what, 15, 20 years ago, potentially. And this is obviously in one of the, no offence to people who live out there, but one of the more kind of, like, behind the times sort of areas of America um, in certain ways with technology and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I think the fucking message she leaves as well, it's like fucking war and peace. She's just flapping <laughs> on for, like, fucking... <coughs> Longer than it actually is on screen, but it just seems like she never stops fucking rabbiting. I was like, some of that voice you know, like that, I'd have just fucking turned it off and deleted it. I ain't listening to that shit. She she does go on a bit, doesn't she? She's going about going to this Chinese, and then even Hank comes out. He's like, what the fuck are you on about? Oh, we're going to a Chinese tonight. And then Hank says, well, you can't. You've got, I think, Dave. You're seeing Dave tonight. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm seeing him on Thursday. And then they have a little bit of an argument, and Marie drives off in a huff and fucking drives over that poor kid's remote control car. But then Hank walks up to him and gives him fuck knows how much money. He just pulls a wad of notes out of his pocket and goes, here you go, son. Yeah, yeah, he's got a fucking fat stash in him. And I've got to say, I've always liked um, Hank's house. It's just on like this cul-de-sac. There's two or three houses around it, but it's just kind of on top of a hill. with this amazing like view. I mean, if you like deserts, it's a good view, I suppose. Um, but it's just like plonked on top of this like hill in the middle of nowhere. And it's just a really cool looking house. It is, isn't it? We get to see a lot more of it. In I think season four, five, when there's sort of they've got the 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 cops and that there, haven't they? Sort of doing um protecting Hank and Marie and everything. I can't remember if they're protecting him from Walt or who they're protecting from or Gus. I think it's Walt, isn't it? When he goes totally off the rails and Hank realizes what's going on. 
Yeah, and plus also when he gets into his mineral phase, which I know we both love, <laughs> when he starts to spend a bit of time um, in bed, don't they, with his fucking their minerals, three. <laughs> oh, gosh, I can't wait to get to that. But anyway, <laughs> you're going to kill me now, bread roll. And now, another comeback, we get Gomez again. I mean, he's only in this one briefly, but he's back. And um, they're watching Jesse and Walt break in, the, um, the episode in season one where they break into the place to steal the barrel. And they're... They're probably fucking laughing, aren't they? How pathetic they are. But then, uh, sort of, Hank's like, "Shit, these guys know what they're doing. We we've got a, a decent chemist on our hands here again. He's so fucking close to putting two and two together, but he's also miles off at the same time." He is, and it? it's almost frustrating. Like he's literally like tip of his tongue, almost. Like he could just clock and be like, "Fuck, maybe it is well after all." But he just what well, he does eventually when he's on the shitter. But right now, he obviously <laughs> doesn't. Doesn't figure it out. And I do like the way they're taking the piss out of him because I laugh and then they're like, oh, fuck me, that's like James Bond stuff for that thermite. And they're like, oh, maybe these guys are good. Then they see them with the barrel and they've got nowhere to put it and then they start laughing again. It is a really good little scene that they're taking the piss. And then they um they obviously mention, obviously, the guys from Juarez, which obviously they come into play and obviously a quite big, obviously, section of the, um, the saga more than anything else. But we just got to get that sort of like nugget dropped in there. The guys from Juarez, as they're known at the moment. Yeah, because when they make their appearance, obviously we'll get there. That the start of the episode is really confusing, but we won't jump ahead too much at the moment. Um, and now Walt's starting to get fucking paranoid. Obviously, Jesse's always paranoid, as we said earlier. And Walt's been fairly calm until now. And he, he comes home, doesn't he? It's dark, and he sees that dodgy SUV outside his house. And then alarm bells definitely start ringing, and he's starting to really shit it now, isn't he? He is, yeah. And um, you would be, wouldn't you? Like some crazy, like fucking, I don't know what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> Cadillac or whatever it is, like cruising the streets and everything. Um, <coughs> he's starting to get worried, and then um, obviously he speaks to Jesse, don't he? We get the first soon get the first mention of Ryson, which mm-hmm. doesn't like get used over and over, but it's quite a pivotal kind of element to the show, and it does pop up one or two more times. And I don't have my book to hand. Um, I did the usual thing that I always do. I tidied my office. Now I can't fucking find anything. This is why I don't tidy up. But um, I was going <laughs> to read up and see if Ryson is a actually a real thing and two is it actually as effective as they make out in the show i don't know if you know the answer to that one well i can give you a little bit from the breaking bad wiki here mm. um, while explaining the potency of ricin walt mentions the assassination of georgie markov although the kgb was involved the assassination assassination sorry itself was done by bulgaria's secret service so it would appear it is a real thing it is potent and there was some truth in that story that uh, walt spins to jesse Oh, amazing. Yeah, and I love that little uh, nod to Sean Connery you did there, Shashination. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should keep this um, cold, you know, maybe I could turn into Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we go. So, Ryzen is a real thing. Fair play. I had a feeling it would be, because imagine, like, the science and stuff for this show was mostly researched pretty well. I just didn't have chance, <laughs> it didn't drop me now until I saw the um my notes. As I say, it's been a couple of weeks, so I actually go ahead and uh, Google it for myself. But then I don't want to be like Google Rice and the fucking, I don't know, MI5 come knocking on my door thinking I'm going to fucking poison people. <laughs> Probably best, yeah. But uh, you could, you got obviously uh, a backup here. Say, so listen to our podcast. We were talking about Rice and it's all good. <laughs> don't worry about it. <clears throat> and then Hank has a little scene here, doesn't he? He goes to see Skylar. And again, she turns it all on herself. He's, he's obviously saying, you know, go easy on Marie. She's having a hard time. And then Skylar properly fucking goes off at him saying, oh, what about me? You know, I can kind of see her point in a way, you know, she's a 40 or well, approaching 40, although she looks well over 40, no offence to Anna Gunn. 
Um, you know, she's having an unexpected baby. Her husband's got cancer and he's being a bit of a dick, which understandably he would be, but not for the reason she thinks. But she does turn it all on herself again and, you know, think of me. And then Hank gives her the most fucking awkward hug I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. I mean, we said it before, and we'll say it about a thousand more times. Like Dean Norris is just a fucking gem in this show. He's fucking brilliant. But just before he knocks on the door, that's when she's sat in the room looking at the old fucking picture of Ted, isn't she? And oh. she's getting all like dreamy eyed and everything. Like she's about to fucking finger bang herself. And I fucking hate <laughs> Reminds me of a <coughs> little fucking prick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do like the bit like Hank comes in and she's like, Marie, she does this whole build it like Marie is a shoplifter. And Hank's just like, Yeah, I know. But we're working on it. Sort of thing. <laughs> like, it's not even like news to him, but like you say, I've got it in my notes right here. Scarlet making things about herself again. It's just always her, her, her. And despite everything that's going on, it's like fucking hell, love. This is one of the reasons everyone thinks you're fucking irritating. I mean, she got voted. I think she was in the top ten irritating people. I think she might have even been number one in one of the polls I saw. And as I, I sent you the other day, Mr. Bean got voted above Walter White for the greatest TV character of all time in this poll I saw on Instagram. And I was like, mm, not sure about that, but we won't go down that wormhole right now. But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I will say, obviously, Skylar's annoying, but we've said it's no discredit to Anna Gunn, who actually acts these scenes really well and makes you fucking hate her, which is obviously the point. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it's like I've said before, like, I don't like Jesse very much, but it's nothing against Darren Paul. I think he plays <laughs> part really well. I just don't like the Jesse character. And again, here, Skylar, I can't fucking stand the character. But she does a great job and just, you know, does a whole kind of like juxtaposition against like what Walt's trying to achieve versus the way Skylar's seeing things. But yeah, I know some people might have different opinions. They might think she's a very justified character, but that's what makes it so interesting, that interpretation, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Walt needed something else the other end of the pendulum, didn't he? Otherwise, he'd have gone completely off the rails by now. But yeah. she's still keeping him grounded because he's still got to try and have, and I'm going to use this term loosely, a normal life as well. So, you know, he'd have, he'd have probably be six feet under now if it wasn't for Skylar, or inadvertently anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He never would have got as far as he, he did. Now, his whole kind of like family is the anchor, isn't it? It's that whole kind of mm. thing, despite everything that happens, that always kind of stays true to like, whether it's, you know, always stays that way, or whether he just uses it always to justify all the stuff he tries to get away with. Um, but that is obviously the focal point of the entire series and his entire story. Yeah, we get a cool scene now. Walt's cooking up the rice in, and he puts it in some meth, and he's going to get Tuco to try it, isn't he? That's their plan, because they've kind of given up on the gun effort because Jesse doesn't know how to use a gun. Or he has worked out how to actually fucking open the clip now and see how many bullets are in it. Five, I believe there is. But Walt's like, well, we'll just stick it on some meth because, you know, every time he fucking turns up, he, he has a little toot on it. And Jesse's like, how are we going to get him to take it? You know, you don't know he's going to take it. And he said, oh, we'll just say it's a new recipe we're working on. It's super fucking strong, thinking he's just going to fall for it straight away. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember exactly how it all goes down. I know, obviously, how it all ends, pretty much, um, but what the build-up is. But I was thinking, like, watching this, like, well, every time, the first time they met him, both of them, and offered him the new drug, he made them take it first. So they have to be careful mm. about what they kind of offer. Like, if they're like saying, oh, this is like some new blow or something like that, the latter has like some, I don't know, regular stuff, if you can call it that, or even just like some fucking sugar or something, so they can snort something. Because obviously they're not going to want to snort their own fucking rice, and aren't they? They kill themselves. No, exactly. Yeah, you would be definitely playing with fire there. I think the gun would be a better option. I mean, neither are great, but obviously it doesn't come to that anyway. But obviously, shock horror, I'm sure people know. This is where we get the dodgy scene now with fucking Hank and Gomez. And they found 
the dead body of the guy's been beaten up. But poor old Gonzo, he's come a cropper as well. He's crushed himself. Looks like trying to sort of hide the body of the other guy whose name, as I say, I don't know. Apologies. Um, but they'll be so fucking dodgy. Like Hank phones Walt, says you never guess what I've fucking found. Then he sends him a picture, and again it shows how old school those phones are. Those old flip phones. I mean, I'm surprised Walt ever got it, but he does. And straight away his face drops because he obviously knows what it is. And then fucking Hank wants a picture taken of him with the dead bodies. And there's been a lot of shit with the Met Police over here in the UK recently, and some coppers have obviously, rightly so been extremely fucking bollocked and fired probably imprisoned as well for taking pictures selfies with dead bodies i mean i know these guys are fucking gangsters and shit and all that but you just don't do it do you yes yeah, it's just fucking weird isn't it and uh, you can see why obviously the the punishments there and everything but hank fucking um <laughs> he said i like, was fucking thumbs up like poses like hey, get a picture of me with these guys <laughs> what you said there about the old fucking flip phones and everything i mean one yeah it is a miracle they got the picture and two making out what it is they had like four megapixels but it just looked like a fucking game of tetris by the time it came through but it all seems to come through like fucking crystal clear in these uh shows for the sake of the storyline and it's fucking dark as well and i'm not being funny i mean modern smartphones have now got night mode and all kinds of stuff but back then that would have just been a grainy mess you wouldn't have seen anything i don't think yeah, would have been absolutely shite. But I do like the way they're sort of trying to piece it together because it looks like they've both been executed and then they go to move it and then they realise, obviously, Hank, obviously the penny drops, realises that Gonzo um, has come back to move the body and then the um, the cars have collapsed on top of him and he's just bled out and obviously he just finds it really funny. He does find it funny. I mean, Gon- the fucking Gomez peels him off and his arm fucking sticks to the car, doesn't he? He's probably stuck <laughs> on it, poor guy. It's quite gruesome, actually, isn't it? I mean, there are some gruesome moments in this show, but yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty bloodthirsty. Um, it opened with a bit of uh, gore at the start, and it's ended with a bit of blood as well. <laughs> That's it. Oh God, sorry, <laughs> So, um, Walt basically takes the fucking gun from Jesse and fucks off home, doesn't he? Jesse's got all his cash in a holdall under the sink, so he's chucked everything out, and he's about to take off as well. And I do like this thing when Walt gets home and he shouts, Skyler, Walt Jr., no one answers him. And the light in here and the way this is shot, he's got the gun and he's walking down the hallway and it's all dark and then the lighting goes across his face and he looks so fucking sinister. Turns out Skyler's actually in the bath with about 10 million fucking candles. Yeah, and I can't remember, like, obviously he goes in there and she's obviously just like, oh, where have you been? I'm on my own and all that sort of stuff. But is she having a bath with the fucking door open? I'm like, still Walt Jr. walked in or like... <laughs> Anything like that, it's like, you know, just shut the door a little bit. I don't know if she did have the door and um door shut and Walt opens it and that. But yeah, it's a really good um sort of atmospheric scene because at this point, obviously, first time you watch it, you have no idea what's going down. It's like, fuck, is Tuco come in and obviously fuck shit up or something like that? But yeah, like you say, it's just Scarlet fucking soaking herself and still moaning. <laughs> I think the door was shut, uh, was shut. I think Walt sort of pushes it open. I mean, he's got so many fucking candles in there. I've never seen the point of that myself, but obviously people like it. And, um, I mean, even if Walt Jr. did walk in, it would have been a bit awkward. But she's got so much fucking soap suds now around her. He wouldn't have seen anything. They'd just about see her head. The rest of it's just fucking buried in soap. Yeah, well, at least she doesn't like fucking Shrek this time. She has to wash that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And then she's sort of talking to Walt and everything. And then he just fucks off into the spare bedroom, the baby's room, or it's going to be the baby's room. Starts ripping the money out of the vent. And he's not being particularly subtle about it. I know he's panicking. He's trying to do it as quick as possible. But he's making loads of fucking noise. And she's like, Walt, are you going to come and talk to me? And he said, all you can hear is him clattering about. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. 
Then he goes back in to talk to her, and he's about to speak to her. Then he sees the fucking lights of a car, and he just walks off. So again, you can see why he's confused as to what he's doing. He's about to talk to her, then he just buggers off again. He goes outside, because he, well, he looks out the window and he sees it's Jesse's car. He's like, for fuck's sake. So he goes outside and says, what the hell are you doing here? And then Tuco just pops up from the back with a gun to Jesse's head. I mean, you can tell things aren't right because Jesse's just sat in the front shaking, isn't he? Like a dog shit in razor blades, to quote Matt Skeever. There you go. Good quote as well. But yeah, this is, well, this is like the second time now. I know there's probably more as well. But any time he goes to that event to get money out, he always makes a fucking pig's ear of it, doesn't he? Like <laughs> fucking throwing it all over the place. He's making a racket. <coughs> he like just stuffs it in like a box of like, what well, he like, empties a box of like what those <coughs> are supposed to be. Throws it all in there and then just fucking leaves it. And like I say, he walks back to speak to Skylar. Heads outside, no fucking Tuco's down in the back seat. Jesse's obviously shitting his pants, as you probably would be. And then they get in and he just he drives off. And I think it's actually a pretty good ending for an episode because it kind of leaves you with that big kind of question mark of like, fuck me, how are they going to get out of this one? Yeah, no, it's a great ending, isn't it? It's just an absolute cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, you're right there. When when he puts it in the, to use the American term, the diaper box or the nappies, as we call them over here, he pulls the nappies out, chucks all the money at the bottom and puts a gun on top. I can't remember if he puts a nappy back on top to try and disguise it slightly, but he's got to think that Skyler's going to look in that box or move it because it's just sat there in the middle of the room. Yeah, I don't even um, think he puts any nappies back in. He just kind of fills no. it up. I assume he's taken it to carry it off, but I can't remember what happens with that box or any of that sort of stuff. So I'm interested to see where we're going to go with that next week. But um, yeah, I do like the way this episode ends. I quite like the episode in general. It um, kind of makes up, as I said before, with the sort of floppy ending of series one. Um, it sort of kicks things off quite well um, and it sort of keeps the pace going, doesn't it? It obviously re-establishes the relationships between the character. The stuff with Marie sort of continues on because I remember we've said before, like, I don't know the whole shoplifting thing goes that far. I know it does crop up a bit later on, but for now they are carrying it on and I don't remember them doing it as much. No. So I've been trying to see what's actually there. Now I'm going to be looking for it. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, we've said she goes off and starts viewing houses in putting on a, a completely fake persona, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, just going back to that nappy box before we wrap up, I guess he thought he was going to go back and do what he had to do with it. He didn't realise Tuco was going to be outside because Skylar now must be thinking, what the fuck is going on? So you've come in to talk to me twice and now you've just disappeared. You've just literally gone. Where Where are you? Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> she's just going to be like, oh, fuck it, I will move out. Maybe I'm starting to like, I don't know if I'll ever feel I'm sorry for Skylar, but maybe I'm like, you know what? Maybe she's not as uh, bad as I thought. Well, fucking living with Walter White, you would go a bit loopy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, again, analysing this, you do realise you can kind of see it a bit more when you think about it, why she is so fucking annoying. Because, yeah, Walt is dying and shit, you know, it's horrible what's happening to him. But he's not making it any easier for himself, is he? Obviously, he's got a lot of shit going on that she doesn't know. But you can see why she's being like she is at points. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe my, my thoughts on Skylar will change. I don't think they will, spoiler alert. But, um, <laughs> you know, but like you say, just analysing it, you can see things from a different angle. So I wonder what certain events that I don't like from Jesse might, might look at him a bit more from a different angle after all this time of reflection as time goes on. Oh, it'll be interesting to find out. So stay tuned, guys, because um, we're going through every single episode, as I'm sure you know. Absolutely, yeah. So um, that's pretty much all i got to say about this particular episode, unless you've got anything else to, to add to it, JT. No, no, Brad Rowe. I think my, my voice is probably about to give up shortly, so I'm, I'm, I'm all good. 
No, okay. Well, I think you did a good job, all things considered. <laughs> the sort of like the strain of the uh, the flu or wherever it is at the moment. So, um, to all our listeners, thank you very much for bearing with us uh, before we came back for the last couple of weeks. And um, let us know your thoughts on this particular episode, um, how it opened up, how it compares to uh, the sort of flow of series one. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Get in touch with us at the usual places at the Hyperbaric Goats on X, or you can find us Hyperbaric underscore Goats on whatever it's called Instagram. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're going to try and keep this our uh, weekly as best as possible. So cheers for tuning in. And this is Bread Roll signing off. Just just a quick one before we go. Um, just a side note here: um, our movie podcast. We haven't forgotten about it. We just put it on a little hiatus at the moment. Um, I did post something I think on X. Probably no one saw it. Um, just with having actually a life, um, social life, partners, jobs, it's quite difficult to hold two podcasts down as well. So I was thinking, Bread Roll, a live on air, even though we're not live, um, announcement. Maybe we should do it once a month, maybe just a movie a month, possibly as a one-off sort of thing here and there. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, because we still watch plenty of movies and maybe do it as a, like a highlight, maybe episode like we used to do back in the day, like what we've we been watching or listening to or whatever this month. But yeah, we'll try and do something at least monthly on that one so if you do listen to our movie podcast obviously it'd be a bit more um obviously not as regular as such but still put in some ideas for movies if anything comes out on netflix disney or any of the other like ten thousand streaming sites out there if we're subscribed <laughs> to them we'll certainly try and watch it but yeah we're still going to do something with it it's just a bit tricky at the moment because we've all got or well, all of us all two of us <laughs> just got quite a bit kind of going on at the moment and sort of trying to juggle everything um yeah so but we'll try and do something with it absolutely it's not the end Cool. I just thought I'd throw that out there. So, um, yeah, we're all done here. So, from EJT, I've just got one last thing to say. We're done. <laughs>